to love as Christ loved. What does that mean? Have you often heard it said amongst others that love is all you need? Just love, love, love. But I want to know, what do people mean when they say these things? And how is loving God and loving others practiced in our own lives? Today, we discuss what it means to love as Christ loved and how we teach and show our children to do the same. Hello again, friends. I hope you are all doing well today. I'm trying to decide if I like the audio better using the microphone or using my phone. We'll see as it progresses. Anyways, we are in the month of March, mid-March already. It's going to be spring in a few days, daylight savings tomorrow. And I know we are past the month of February, which is one of the times of the year where we get to reflect and act on the idea of love. But I want to extend that theme into this month, the month of extra daylight and the beginning of spring, at least in this part of the world. Because love should really be emphasized all year, right? Don't get me wrong, though. I love an opportunity to celebrate, and I don't miss out on the chance to do so. (laughs) But, yes, let's talk about love. When we talk about what it means to love others, or when we teach our children about this principle of love, for many of us, we find it easy to do so. We, We find it easy to tell our children to love and to be kind to others. But when it comes down to us, practicing it with people who are unloving or unkind to us, it doesn't seem so easy. How do we break down these walls in our own hearts? How do we extend just beyond telling our children you need to love and be kind to others and demonstrate that to them even when we are faced or especially when we are faced with situations or people that make us feel unloving or like we want to be unloving because those people are unloving or unkind to us. Not giving in to our passionate heart is so hard. I don't like being falsely accused or mistreated. I'm sure nobody does. And if we see that happening to our children, they're being falsely accused or they're being mistreated, I think our natural inclination is to kind of react in a very passionate and confronting way. But we are called to love and act lovingly even through that. Even when we are being falsely accused or our children are being falsely accused. 1 John 2, 8-11 says, Again, a new commandment I write unto you. Which thing is true in him and in you, because the darkness is past, and the true light now shineth. He that saith he is in the light, and hateth his brother, is in darkness even until now. He that loveth his brother abideth in the light, and there is none occasion of stumbling in him. But he that hateth his brother is in darkness, and walketh in darkness, and knoweth not whither he goeth, because that darkness has blinded his eyes. So why do I read this text? Well, we're talking about love here. And in these verses, it re 
iterates the idea or reinforces or brings to a brighter light that if we don't love our brother, if we hate someone, then we're in darkness. So again, I ask, what does it mean to love your brother, love your neighbor, love people? That's what it's saying here. How do we practice that? It really does seem impossible. But Christ loved others when it seemed impossible. For us, moving past dislike towards others can be so hard. And praying for them can feel phony and forced. Almost like trying to drink a green smoothie that isn't very sweet at all. You know what I'm talking about. For those of you who've made green smoothies and like barely had any kind of natural sweetener in it, like maybe a green apple or some kind of other apple, but it still tastes like you're eating dirt from the ground. Yeah, that's what I mean. (laughs) But you know, it's so full of healthy things. So you drink it anyway. Anyway, God says his strength is made perfect in our weaknesses. In fact, I just read March 17th's entry in the devotional, My Life Today. The title is, I Will Love As Christ Loved. And it quotes John 13, 35. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples if ye have love for one another. And then this is what Ellen White has to comment on on that entry for March 17th. If we are to be true lights in the world, we must manifest the loving, compassionate spirit of Christ. To love as Christ loved means that we must practice self-control. I'm actually going to do another episode on self-control. Um, so stay tuned for that. It means that we must show unselfishness at all times and in all places. It means that we must scatter around us kind words and pleasant looks. These cost the giver nothing, but they leave behind a precious fragrance. Genuine love is a precious attribute of heavenly origin, which increases in fragrance in proportion as it is dispensed to others. Okay, so sorry, I'm going to be stopping my train of thought uh, because I put my pop mic on so that I can record with a pop mic on. So bear with me. Thanks. Okay, I put the pop mic on over my microphone. Let's see if that makes a difference. So a little side note here. I am a complete, whatever is even below amateur at podcasting. Um, I don't have any fancy equipment. I, with the exception of my microphone, if you'd consider it fancy, but I got it secondhand from Facebook marketplace. It's a Yeti blue microphone and that's what I'm using currently. I switched between that and my iPhone and I don't use any fancy software because I wanted to just kind of plug and go, plug and play, plug and record uh, this podcast, at least in the beginning phases. And I'm using the pop mic I have and the microphone stand that I'm using is actually from my attempt at being in a band in my early 20s. So my dad had given me a PA system, a microphone stand, and a pop mic as gifts one year because at that time I was having like little jam sessions with a few people and he wanted to gift this to me, which is very kind of him. He was trying to encourage my 
attempt at a musical endeavor. <laughs> so the pop mic actually has stayed in its box for like, I don't know, 10 years probably now at this point. Um, and here we are using it for something much better than what I was using it for. So isn't that awesome how God works that way? I'm glad I held on to this stuff um, because now we get to try it out here. Anyway, that was an unrelated side note, but something that I um, couldn't help but thinking about was as I was setting this up right now. Okay, now let me continue reading that paragraph that Ellen White wrote, um, continuing from uh, where I left off on um, in proportion as it is dispensed to others. God desires his children to remember that in order to glorify him, they must bestow their affection on those who need it most. None with whom we come in contact are to be neglected. No selfishness in look, word, or deed is to, be, is to be manifested to our fellow beings. Whatever their position, whether they be high or low, rich or poor, the love that gives kind words to only a few, while others are treated with coldness and indifference, is not love, but selfishness. It will not in any way work for the good of souls or the glory of God. We are not to confine our love to one or two subjects. Those who gather the sunshine of Christ's righteousness and refuse to let it shine into the lives of others will soon lose the sweet, bright rays of heavenly grace, selfishly reserved to be lavished upon a few. Self should not be allowed to gather to itself a select few, giving nothing to those who need help the most. Our love is not to be sealed up for special ones. Break the bottle and the fragrance will fill the house. Okay, so I want to go back to that comment where she writes that giving kind words or looks uh, costs the giver nothing. And that's absolutely true. Like if you imagine yourself with your kids at a park or uh, walking along and you see a neighbor and you give a kind smile or a wave, even if you don't know them, you're just walking by. Like it does, it costs nothing. And it could mean so much to that person. And I know sometimes for me, this has happened often, and maybe it's just a kind of a test that we need to keep going anyway. But when I'm walking with my husband and my daughter and we wave to people or smile at people and like they see us, but they don't respond. They don't smile back. They don't wave back. And immediately I'm like, man, I shouldn't have even, why did I even smile at them then? But that's just my natural, see, I struggle with being kind to others when they're not kind to me. So that's my natural reaction, which I'm praying that will change and that I'm loving no matter what. And that's what this is all about, right? This episode. So, but so most of the time in those instances, it does cost the giver us nothing to make, to give a kind look to someone else. It's those moments when you are really having a difficult time with someone because let's just say they are somebody in your life that's just like really rubs you the wrong way. It's those times where I think to me it costs a lot to like say a kind word or to think a kind thing or whatever the case may be. Um, it's those times that's those are the difficult times. But yes, it is absolutely true. There's no reason why we shouldn't give a kind word or a smile or a wave to the people that we see. Or before we go 
to the park with our children, you know, we pray with each other in the car and say, like, just help me to represent you, Jesus, in some way. And that some way could just be with a smile. So I think it's important for us to kind of put that helmet on that we're that we remember that we are representing God and Jesus to the world. So I really like that statement that she wrote there. So now let's talk about the loving God part. So if God, if the world knows that we are Christ's disciples, if we love one another and that God is love, and how we're called to love God and to love one another. Psalm 40, verses 7 and 8 reads, Then said, I, lo, come in the volume of the book it is written of me. I delight to do thy will, O my God, yea, thy law is within my heart. And she, Ellen White, has this to say about that particular verse. I delight to do thy will, thy law is within my heart. She says, Obedience is to them, the angels in heaven, no drudgery. Love for God makes their service a joy. So in every soul wherein Christ, the hope of glory, dwells, his words in Psalm 40 verse 8 are re-echoed. Meaning, obedience for us should be no drudgery either. Love for God, our love for God, makes our service a joy. So, how do we show our love to God? In order to do as Christ did and love as he loved, what was his what was he always saying that he was doing the will of his father? And he often repeated and re-emphasized and like I said earlier, like re brightened the law of God, God's word, God's principles. He upheld the divine standard and we as followers of God and as Christ's disciples are to to follow God's law and its principles this is how the world knows we are his disciples loving God and loving others uphold that divine standard as well and to live as he did so how does the world see us how does it see you? How often do we think about how we represent God and Jesus to the world? How often do we think about how we need to instill these same principles in our children as well? Because they are representatives of Christ to the world. And it is our duty, our privilege as parents to teach them these things, to spend time with them reading the word and singing hymns and reading to them Ellen White's writings about just Christ's love for us and his love for the world and and our duty to him as his believers. Sometimes it's not easy for Christians to share their faith. You know, the the kind of rejection that we get when we try to talk to a stranger about God or if we want to give somebody on the bus, you know, a book or a tract or whatever it is and then they they have this spirit of rejection christians are often rec- are, are often put in a bad light you know like we're trying to force things on others and we don't really we're not really loving and we're very 
critical and judgmental and all these kinds of things. So that is how Christians are often represented in the world. And so if we think about the true principle of love and pray for that meekness that Jesus always talks about, meekness and love, meekness and love, gentleness, the fruits of the Spirit, and how we can manifest that in our hearts in order to proclaim it to the world. Like I think we would act differently. I think meekness is a very underrated quality that we need to emphasize in ourselves and in our children. To stand true for principle and to be meek and gentle seems like they contradict each other. But we know the more time we read the Bible that it's not true. Those two things have to go hand in hand. So since these principles are so important, God's law is so important and his word is so important, why wouldn't we strive to keep them? Why wouldn't we reevaluate how we show love to other people? And again, don't please don't misunderstand me. I have a hard time showing love to everybody all the time as well. It's a difficult thing for me. But that doesn't mean I shouldn't strive to do it. So if we failed in striving to keep God's law and its principles of obedience and love because all the principles are out of love, and if we failed to live and love as Christ did, then let us come to him and lay ourselves at his feet and ask him to help us do what is often unnatural for us to do, loving God by following his law and loving others as he loved them, and to remind our children how important it is to follow his law and to love others as he loved them, and to keep going. The Christian road is often a rough one, and even though sometimes there are bumps along the road, whether like actual trials that are happening, or just like mental ones, like mental blocks. The more we learn to trust God and the more we tell ourselves that we're going to trust God no matter what the circumstances, and we just keep going. Stand true to principle. And the principle or principles are love God and love one another. So that word failure isn't a favorite word of mine. And if it's a trigger word for anyone out there, like I want to not use that. Um, sorry, I keep bumping my microphone. If we've maybe fallen short, I think failed or failure makes it seem like it's almost impossible to come out of it or to redo something, at least in this context. So earlier I said if, if we failed to uphold the divine principles, I think I want to rephrase that and say, if maybe we haven't emphasized them as much as we should or as much as we could, then now let's reevaluate and move forward and implement the princi those principles in our lives. I think that's better stated. At least that's how I feel about it right now. So I just, I know like whenever I hear, you know, we failed, we failed, you failed. It's like, oh, I feel like that's not very uplifting or encouraging at all. And I, throughout this whole podcast, I want to be uplifting. So that's why I think I needed to change that, that tone. So I don't know. Do you agree? Do you like that word failure? Does it bother you as much as it bothers me? I don't know. Maybe I'm too sensitive. <laughs> 
it's a hard balance trying to refine my sensitivities and then not be too sensitive about things that don't matter. But I don't know. Yeah, something else I'm learning. Anyway, friends, I hope that this was uplifting and that it wasn't confusing and things made sense. And as always, if you have anything to add to the conversation, please leave a message on the Anchor website. Let me grab that for you, that link. Okay, yes, it is anchor.fm forward slash present truth parents forward slash message. And that's where you can leave a message. All right, everybody. Thanks again for listening. I hope you all continue to have a blessed day or night or season, wherever you are in the world. And I will catch you later. Bye.